Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams. And I'm Joe Anderson. Joe. Yes. Last week we talked to ourselves, or the week before. Yeah, it was kind Do of Do we have fun. a guest today? We have a guest, and he comes from probably one of my favorite companies that exists within our industry, and he's one of my, my favorite people. And that's Preston Rubottom at Lubrication Engineers. How you doing, Preston? Doing good. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. So, Preston, Director of Reliability Solutions. Is that correct? That is correct. Awesome. So, what is it that you do now? What, what you know? What what what's your position there? So, really, it's it's kind of hard to explain. But my my direct responsibility is uh, growing our reliability division. Um, we really work with multi-site locations of customers that have multiple different sites, and we stand up a unified lubrication program across the different sites. Awesome. Well, it's so one of my favorite stories, just to get started a little bit about your company, right, is, is when LE came to the realization that to be true to your word, you have to walk the walk in reliability and not just talk the talk. Can you can you tell me more about that story and how you guys came to be uh, more focused on reliability? Yeah, sure. That's that's a great story, really. Um, I think it was 2007 timeframe. You know, our plant leadership started looking at how we're actually running our maintenance in our own facility. You know, we, we're manufacturing high performance lubricants. We're like, well. We make this stuff. It's cheap for us to just keep regreasing or changing the gear oil annually. And um, you know, our leadership at the time said, "Hold on, let's let's refocus and figure out what we're doing here, and and actually walk the walk, like you said." So, from let's see, from 2007 to the next couple of years, they measured what their current spend was which totaled around $200,000 in lubricant spend if it was to be a list product or list price off the shelf. And then um, started doing oil analysis and actually true calculated maintenance tasks. And it was reduced down to about 80,000 a year in uh, lubricant spend. And I love it, right? I mean, it, it talks to um, your integrity as well as a company. And I love that because you have a lot of companies that, preach especially on the lubrication side right <laughs> they preach about you know lubrication reliability but in all actuality there's a lot of companies that don't even consider it to them it's just another product that they've got to pump out um you know a good example is them sending out dirty oil and people don't realize that the oil is dirty when they receive it where sure. you guys try to do your best to send out the cleanest possible oil um, that can happen given the business restraints and things like that. Right. Um, sure. But w what I've seen from my own history is you guys send out oil at like a, about an 18, 15 ish ISO code, which is typically it's pretty good cleanliness for gearboxes. Right. I mean, where your competition is sending out, I've had some as high as 2320 in ISO code where I have to filter the oil before I can put it in a gearbox. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, for that, it's, it's actually those types of things are the things that have gained my loyalty 
to you guys, and I'll be the first to admit I'm very loyal to certain products and certain industries, but uh, I think a reason for that is self-justified in that you guys are one of the best at what you do. And so, you know, it's appreciated. Well, let's get into the crux of some things here. First off, a basic question, right? How important do you believe lubrication is in relation to overall equipment reliability? Well, I guess I have a kind of biased view on that, but um, I'll start with, you know, I, I started as a maintenance technician, maintenance mechanic technician at a large aircraft facility. So uh, early on in my career, I, I found out about the fundamentals of lubrication and the criticality of good lubrication practices. So um, I believe it's, it's very important, obviously. You know, friction is, is uh, a bad thing when you're trying to make two pieces of metal stick uh, from, keep them from sticking together and keep an asset going to make production schedules. So uh, very critical. Yeah, I would say, in my opinion, it's probably, at least within operating context, uh, where lubricants apply, it's probably the most important piece. Um, Something that I preach to people, and it's statistically shown, is that, you know, 70% of most plant problems come from three things. One is, is cleanliness, two is lubrication, and three is tightening. So, you know, using torque specs. And I think cleanliness is actually a addressing a root cause in relation to lubrication. And, and so not allowing contaminants to get into bearings or into gearboxes, those types of things. And, and so, yeah, to eliminate 70% of your issues, if you get those three things straight, I, you know it's it's a no-brainer for me that it's the most important piece and so it's awesome i think there's a fundamental misunderstanding sometimes as to what you're lubricating it for like like i think they feel like well it's got a grease fitting so i gotta lubricate it like without even understanding the whole science behind it what's what's neat to me is you see these new videos now where they're doing friction welding and and fusion you see that where they just kind Mm -hmm. of vibrate the two metals together and fuse them or friction drilling where they just kind of shake a point and it goes through steel Mm -hmm. lubrication stops that (laughs) that's that's what stops from happening right (laughs) right yeah i mean it's uh, i don't know and and the mentality still exists which surprises me given the fact of all the information that exists today that's out there is still hand the grease gun to the noob and allow him to go out and put defects all throughout your system. And they laugh at the the noob with the grease gun and they think, well, you know, that's a noob's job, not understanding that it's probably one of the most important jobs within the maintenance department. Yeah, I I agree. It's, I just had that conversation this week, actually at a large, cement plant and there's a new uh maintenance leader in place and he's like you know this place has traditionally held the lubrication um role as as the bottom responsibility that's the lowest paid you know it could be the the new guy or the retirement position for the guy getting ready to leave the company and there's no training other than tribal knowledge and it's like man and this i mean this guy fortunately he got it right he wanted us in there to stand up this program and, and drive some standards to um, 
to define excellence. And um, like this is, I, I assured him he wasn't alone, you know, and this is almost a nationwide thing. You have this conversation when you're on the field as much as we are, it's a daily conversation. And it's a little disappointing, right? Because I agree. It makes you feel like you're not doing your job. <laughs> well, you see people, these senior techs that think they know so much about maintenance, laughing about the noob running around with the grease gun. And it's disheartening in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways, it, it kind of ma- it makes me angry sometimes. But that's due to, you know, a lack of knowledge, right? And these people not truly understanding, you know, maintenance practices and lubrication practices. And so to see people sitting there laughing at the noob as he struggles to grease a sealed bearing in a motor, and they're just sitting there laughing about it and <laughs> while yeah. he's pumping grease into the windings. And then they're, yeah. on the other hand, complaining about all the defects that they have in their system. Yeah. You know, you just want to, you know, you smack yourself in the head, you know, going, yeah. man, this is just crazy, you know? So. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a big focus point is kind of like preaching the gospel, right? We're out there teaching, no matter if it's a, a customer that's buying from us or just a prospect, you know, just some relationship to hey, this is what lubrication excellence looks like. You're currently, you know, on this point of the scale, we want to get you here. Um, let's start with fundamental training. It's free. It, let's just do a lunch and learn. We'll buy you, we'll buy you pizza if you just listen to us or any you know lubrication educational piece of information to help get you from where you're at currently because you're just you're bleeding you know you're just bleeding yeah and it again it just amazes me how many companies there are that still don't see the importance it it just it kind of blows my mind at times and and especially now that we're out consulting and we're getting to see more and more of it i thought it was you know maybe just a symptom of places that i work and uh <laughs> coincidence at times but you know you you go in and yeah, i mean it's just mind-blowing and i don't know it's it's nuts to me right so i think what's cool about a company like ellie you know is is from my perspective if you guys are doing what you do best and and in your position, Preston, offering reliability services, then technically speaking, they're going to buy less lubricant, right? Like, or the right amount of lubricant, let's say. So they're not going to be over lubricating stuff and wasting stuff and their parts are going to last longer. And so I think it takes a lot of integrity as an organization to to pitch the idea of, look, if we do this right, not only are you going to be more reliable, but, you know, Tomorrow we sell you slightly less lubricant than we sold you on day one. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of a mind blowing concept when you talk to a new customer and they're like, so you're telling me that you're going to reduce my spend by 30%, you know, on average. Yeah. Uh, or your usage, I should say uh, by 30%. And, you know, it's, it's starting with the fundamental of an assessment. Let me, let me bring my team in and do a plant assessment or assess half the plant and give you calculated, you know, re-greasing intervals, or let's stand up oil analysis program to make sure you're not throwing away good oil. And that 30% is peanuts compared to some of the savings that we've provided um, through better practices. Well, it's almost a walking contradiction, right? On one end, you sell lubricants, 
Right. <laughs> so your goal is to sell lubricant. Yeah. But on the other end, you have this reliability piece in which, you know, you're running that, you know, you want to reduce consumption and you want to do things correctly. And so it's almost a walking contradiction because, you know, when you're in the business of selling products, the goal is to sell more product. Right. And so, you know, it's just kind of crazy to me. But again, I think George hit the nail on the head. It talks about the integrity of your company and that you guys want what's best for your clients, not what's best for your company. And yeah, so, I mean, that's actually our, our corporate value statement, right? So it's to build lasting relationships based on integrity. And that's, that's driven hard from the top down. And that's who we are in the field. That's who we are in the offices. And we're trying to do the best thing based upon our customers' needs. And I, I again, it speaks to why I'm so loyal to your brand is because when you find the best in the industry, you only want to surround yourself by the best. And and you guys, again, you walk the walk. So like it's awesome. So you guys do reliability assessments. I know firsthand because I've had them done a few times within mm-hmm. my own facilities. Um, can you tell me what some of the common gaps are when performing the assessments? Really, it depends on, I'd say, the maturity level of the maintenance organization. A lot of the conversations stem around, do you have you know, your asset hierarchy stood up in a CMS system? Uh, sometimes the question is, what is a CMS system? <laughs> or, <laughs> or, you know, criticality, that's, that's a huge undertaking for us just to get a, a criticality list for you. So we work through that and... Um, you know, like I said, we deal with different organizations that are in different um, positions in their reliability journey. So we help any way we can to get that criticality list. We come in and, and look at their processes and, and educate them around that. Or, um, you know, I guess the biggest, the truest biggest gap is standardization. Um, you know, we see large potential for consolidation. Um, man, I'd, I'd say more than 50% of the time we can save at least, you know, 40% off of their current lubricant list. So that's, that's consolidating their current lubricants. That's not going to LE lubricants. Um, that's whatever they have on the shelf currently. That just means that they've been oversold. Um, and it's a, it's a dicey conversation to have, but it's, we're, you're out there telling the truth and looking at the formulations of the lubricants that they have and showing them how, you know, you can cover these three different applications with the one lubricant. Right. Um, and that's and I think crazy. some of the practices you'll see, and I'm sure you see this quite a bit. I know I've seen it myself is for example, um, hydraulic oil, right? They'll have an OEM that says you have to use a shell 68 and another OEM that says you have to use an Exxon 68. And another epic, and, and they'll buy each one of those <laughs> 60 hydraulics or whatever and use them in each application. Where the question is, if it's a 68, you know, it's pretty much a 68. The, the question that needs to be asked is, what's the quality of that 68 that you're putting in? You know, right? So and see that a lot of times, like we've talked about before, you and I have had this conversation years ago. Is, are all those coming through the same distributor and what's the cleanliness practices of that distributor? Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, they're, what it comes down to is they're really scared of that warranty program. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I understand it from a new 
machine perspective, but you just got to make sure you look at the complete circle there. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times, even after the warranty's yeah. up, they're so stuck in the way of, no, this needs shell 68. It's like, right. it, but it shows their level of knowledge when it comes to lubrication. I guess it kind of exposes the fact that they need an education in lubrication. Yeah, opportunity there to bring some awareness. Yeah, for sure. And I know your reliability assessments, for me, I'd love to gauge one is how well am I doing or how well do I think I'm doing against best practice? And two, it's, you know, how can I close the gap? So I'm always looking for those opportunities to improve. And that's why, you know, I, I appreciate that assessment and the ability for you guys to walk through and do it. And I know I've been a pain in your neck when it comes to some of these things. Yeah, you definitely have a different perspective because you understand them, um, the holistic approach better than us. I mean, and that's because this is our niche, right? We're one pillar of, of the maintenance program. Right. So, um, it's definitely, it's always enlightening to work with you because the challenges that you present us from yeah. a different perspective. Well, I kind of do that on purpose because I'm a jerk, but well, I know it brings you joy. This is kind of the way it is. Um, so, so much, oh, go ahead, sorry, George. Sorry. So how much of your effort is spent from a company perspective, trying to educate industry, you know, because a, a lot of plants that Joe and I go into, the lack of understanding of what it takes to become reliable is absolutely, absolutely. enormous. Like, I almost thought that your que- your answer to Joe's question around what the most common things were was really going to be, well, Joe, it'd be, you know, it, let's shorten that and say, what are the common things people do well? Because <laughs> that, that list would be shorter. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you, I, I would imagine and an awful lot of your, your company investment and time and strategy is really to how do you get to folks to educate them about the importance of lubrication? So what, what are some of the things you guys do to make that happen? Well, we're, we're actually big believers in training. And, um, you know, that, that looks like courses that we, like I said, we do a lunch and learn, bring in pizza or whatever, and give us two hours of your time to talk about lubrication best practices. Um, we have, um, pre-COVID, we had in-house training for MLT1, MLT2. Um, so all the ICML courses, we hosted those at our facility through a third party. Uh, did CLS training, certified lubrication specialist. So uh, that sort of platform, but also, um, you know, our marketing team really puts out a lot of technical information on our social media platforms to help try to drive the, or I should say, the um, create some awareness around not all lubricants are the same and, and criticality of contamination control, just fundamental things for people to maybe pick up on. Um, you know, every different platform we're trying to do our, our part but um, really it comes down to our, our field representatives and making sure that they are as technically trained as we can get them because they're the boots on the ground out there uh, talking LE every day and, and creating awareness. So <clears throat> very, uh, very broad approach, but, you know, we're trying to hit it from every angle to, to spread the word. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think uh, for me anyways, from my experience, I like to go after low-hanging fruit first, like most should, but some people like to take on the complex problems. Um, but for me, 
like a simple example would be um, the application of breathers on, you know, gearboxes, pumps, rotating equipment stuff. You'll walk into a facility and you see blown seals like every, everywhere and and no breathers right and so i like to to hit that low-hanging fruit what are some of the low-hanging fruit pieces that you can see pretty quick returns from from a lubrication perspective filtration yeah filtration. every day all day I, i'm a huge advocate for filtration and i don't I'm not talking like inline filtration that are installed that that is installed from OEM perspective. I'm talking kidney loop offline filtration um, to get the oil clean, drop the ISO code. Um, we see machines run more efficiently, cooler, you know, just um, valve speed, different different aspects that you don't really think of when you're in that plant every day, turning wrenches. Um, you're living and breathing it, right? So you don't really think of those things because you're chasing these fires all the time. But I'm a huge advocate of filtration. Yeah. I mean, it's it's vitally important, right? I, I think when people understand that, I, I compare reliability practices and tools that exist to being more like a doctor. We have to become more scientific. I think right now in a lot of industries, maintenance is an artistry where we run around frolicking with the paintbrush and think we're doing a good job where there's all these tools and technologies that allow you to become more scientific and i relate for example oil analysis it's like getting your blood drawn having blood work right so you get to see you know the condition of the machine you get to see the condition of the lubricant how's your additive packages holding up you know are you starting to see mechanical wear those types of things and the ability to keep oil clean is definitely one of the highest priorities and i just you know the reason i asked that question is because i didn't really think of it i mean i know it's important and i always implement it but from an important standpoint yeah i would i would tend to agree um oil filtration is definitely important yeah. So we look at it. So when we talk to customers, a lot of times it's like, hey, I don't have time for this. I don't have technicians. I don't have time. Like, well, you're literally buying yourself time to hook up a filter cart because that's extending your oil drain. It doesn't matter what oil is in there. If you're removing the contamination that drives oxidation or machine part failure, you're extending that time where you don't have to allocate the technicians there to, to plan the work, get the, get the work components and do the actual wrench turning, you know, maybe over Christmas driving costs through the roof because of um, overtime expenses and different things. It's just, it's a fundamental practice that needs to get more implementation just because the time it buys you. I think the nail on the head is the fact that they say they don't have time. (laughs) So it's like, it's like you have time to blow your entire budget on reactive maintenance but you don't have time to focus on things proactively right yep. and i think that's because there's always money for the failure right there's just never money to proactively avoid it yeah you're looking at four to 40 times the cost and you know uh, you know but again i think that comes back to the level of knowledge that people have when it comes to maintenance and I can relate to it. I mean, 
I spent the first 15 years of my career being that reactive maintenance manager and not understanding the methodologies and the tools and the systems that exist. To me, it was you work 21 hours a day, you keep the plant running no matter the cost, and that makes you a great maintenance manager. Not, you know, it wasn't until I was made aware of how to do maintenance correctly, (laughs) you know, to when, you know, that philosophy changed. Um, But again, I I can kind of relate to where they're coming from. Um, But again, the question, I guess, is how do you reach those folks, you know, to enlighten them, I guess. Yeah. You know, my go-to is just oil analysis. Um, It's giving something tangible for them to look at and understand what, you know, isoparticle counts are and and life life extension charts and kind of try to paint that picture. And it's one of the easiest things to get results from and to see um, the asset health and, and lubricant health of things, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I can put a report in a PowerPoint presentation that can visibly show that I have a problem with a piece of equipment and it's easily for management to relate to. And the fact that there should be some action and budget behind it. So sure. You know, it's good, yeah, data. It's good stuff. Awesome. So tell me uh, upcoming events. You guys got anything going on? Where can people get a hold of you or, or reach out to LE if they have any questions? Sure. So I'm pretty active on, on LinkedIn. Um, you can get a hold of me there. Um, as far as what we have coming up, uh, we're actually going to be speaking at the same conference you are here later this month. Um, remind me the name of it. I'm oh, sorry. yeah. Uh, LRVS? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so the Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit. We're not yeah. presenting at the same time, right? Because if we are, we're stopping this podcast. I've got some heavy hitters that I've got to compete against. So it's going to be tough because, you know, when you're not the smartest guy in the room, it means you're in the right room, but it's also intimidating. <laughs> right. Up against some giants. But yeah. yeah, that should be good. Yeah, it should be good stuff. What about uh, anything with SMRP? Yeah, I don't think we're attending that this year. Um, we've actually, pre or since COVID, we've uh, we pulled back on a lot of the shows, just mm-hmm. trying to see how that all shakes out. Yeah. So um, there will be a few of us in attendance for sure, but we won't be um, doing a table or anything there, a booth or anything. Okay. And your website is www.lelubricants.com. Right on. So Preston, we appreciate the time, man. There's so much to talk about in lubrication. We could go on for a million years and not even scratch the surface. Sure. No, I appreciate the invite, guys. It's a good conversation. Appreciate your input. Thanks for, for coming on, man. We, we appreciate it. Certainly. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you very much, Preston. For Joe Anderson, I'm George Williams. Go make tomorrow better than today.